So this is a bold ass prediction. Blues are going to take the central. Why not? Why not Bennington? Why, I, I mean, at least say why not Huso, right? Are we like Go-Go Corp? Are we suspended? Hello again. If you're listening to this show, then hopefully you enjoyed the first two episodes. This is Jeff Ponder, Let's Go Blues Radio, Talkin' Blues Summer Edition, Summer Interview Series. I can't even get the name of my own show right. What does that say about me? This is Season 6, Episode 26, Franchise Episode Number 129, All Time, for Let's Go Blues Radio. I want to say at the top of the show, if you could subscribe to our show on Google Play or iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, that does help us out a lot. It actually helps people find the show. So if you're enjoying this, which sometimes I wonder why you're listening to this man talk, probably because the guests have been so great and so rich, Uh, of course, they're all listening right now saying, oh, no, no, we're not. You're kind of carrying me. That's the way I see it. Uh, but, yeah, if you could uh, give us a, uh, a subscription there, that would that helps us out. Of course, rating us helps, too. So get on iTunes, get on Google Play, give us that five-star rating if you like what you hear, and uh, leave a little review. Again, that, uh, that does tremendous. And that's the only way our podcast can grow is if people uh, find us on those podcasting platforms and say, oh, these people like the show, so I probably will too. Definitely uh, do that if you uh, uh, deem us worthy of receiving a five-star rating. Well, you heard Smash in the open mention the Savas Center. We all know that's not what it is anymore. It was the Scott Trade Center for the last couple years, and If you're following the Blues, which if you're listening to this, I'm guessing you are, it is now the Enterprise Center for Enterprise Rent-A-Car. So that is uh, very exciting news. I I like it. I'm a Star Trek nerd, a Trekkie, so I'm a fan of that, and uh, I just think it has a a nice little ring to it. I get into that a little bit with uh, Brad Lee uh, in this uh, interview series, but big news that, again, I'm sure you've already heard, but... I'd be remiss if I didn't at least mention it in our show open, uh, the the news with the Blues in the last couple days, depending on when the show airs, which would be within the same week of when Enterprise uh, was announced as the sponsor for the arena. So as I mentioned, Brad Lee is my guest on our third episode of the Talkin' Blues Summer Interview Series. He is the publisher of St. Louis Game Time. He's been writing for the magazine for quite some time. Uh, and uh, we again, we get into what all he's done with Game Time. But he's been there for longer than when he was the uh, took over as the publisher back in the 2012-2013 season. Uh, his first game as the publisher was Vladimir Tarasenko's famous two-goal game against the Detroit Red Wings in his first NHL game, which made... Every Blues fan say, whoa, this guy is going to be good. 
Brad is also the co-host of the Game Time Drive Time podcast with Jeff Jones, also of St. Louis Game Time. So you can uh, check them out on iTunes and Google Play as well. Of course, after you listen to Let's Go Blues Radio, uh, they do a great job. I've been on their show before and uh, just a, a fun listen. Because it, they kind of have the same idea as what the uh, Game Time magazine does uh, if you buy that before the game. It's just kind of like, hey, you're driving to the game? Here's a 35-minute show while you're on your drive preparing you for tonight's game. Uh, but they also do other stuff. Um, they, they've done intermission reports, and uh, again, they've they've had guests like me on. Not that that's of any significant importance. Of course, you can buy St. Louis Game Time outside of the Keel parking garage every home game. Uh, if you've never read St. Louis Game Time, it is just a fun publication intelligent hockey fans so it's not just you know your run-of-the-mill oh well here's a game preview of tonight's blues and panthers game it's it's a fun take on blues hockey on the nhl there's stuff that's going to make you laugh out loud there's also stuff that's going to make you think uh just a a wonderful publication i'm not just saying that because brad's on the show as i get into with him and he agrees this is something I've been reading since 1995 when I was a kid going to games with my dad. Uh, just a, a fun thing to, to read and pick up before games. And, and now that it's online, definitely worth reading and checking out if you haven't done so already. If you don't make it out to a lot of games or if you're just interested in, in reading their takes for every home game and you don't want to have to go through the hassle of buying it while at the game, uh, you can email Lee at gmail.com that is brad's personal email address tell him you want a full subscription for the season and uh, he will give you the rates and help you out there so definitely something to think about if you enjoy st louis game time or if you're interested in reading a different take on blues hockey than what you probably read anywhere else so in my interview with brad we discuss the magazine uh, what he does for it what he's seen as the publisher of the magazine. Um, we also discuss all of Game Time Media, which it's 2018, folks. So it's not just a magazine that people hand out. As I said, it's online now. Plus, they have podcasts uh, and just they used to have a radio show, Twitter. They're very active. All the writers. So yeah, we we get into all of that. Uh, where you can find them if you're interested. Um, we also talk about their relationship with the St. Louis Blues. Uh, again, it's it's not a uh, an accredited media source with the Blues, uh, but as you'll find out, the NHL does consider them a media source. We discuss uh, the St. Louis Blues as well, of course. Uh, we talk John Tavares, uh, Jake Allen, Kyle Brodziak, um, the whole goaltending situation, what to look forward to this summer, Brad, some of Brad's insight into what he thinks could be happening over the next couple months with your favorite hockey team. So, without further ado, here is my interview with Brad Lee of St. Louis Game Time. This is Jeff Ponder of Let's Go Blues Radio, the Talkin' Blues Summer Edition. And today I am joined by the game St. Louis Game Time publisher, uh, he has been with Game Time since December of 2005, but uh, he uh, took it over and is running things. 
since January 19th of 2013. And uh, he is with me now, and his name is Brad Lee. Thanks for joining me, Brad. Hey, thanks for having me on. Uh, glad to return the favor after you were on the uh, one of the last, I guess, the last podcast for uh, Game Time, uh, the Game Time Drive Time podcast when we recorded live at Hot Shots for the last uh, game of the season. Yeah, that was um, that was a fun night, but an awful night. And I think all, all Blues <laughs> fans who are with us that night knows what I'm talking about. We we tried to make it fun through the awfulness. Yeah, yeah, we did. We did. Uh, so yeah, you, let's go ahead and get into that. You mentioned the Game Time Drive Time podcast. You guys started that this year. You and Jeff Jones. Um, what uh, what brought that to be? I mean, you already have Beyond Checker Gnome, which is associated with Game Time, but you guys decided to start this up. Um, how did that come to be? And and uh, how did you enjoy doing it for your first season? Well, it was kind of an offshoot from our radio show that we used to have on 590 The Fan, uh, KFNS. Uh, that was last year from, gosh, let's see. We were on in February, uh, and then I think we signed off sometime in June. And uh, we had the early morning slot, 5 a.m. to 7 a.m., which a lot of people are, are up, right? Oh, uh, of course. We kind of we, we kind of got our we kind of got our uh, appetites wetted for for doing the radio stuff we're doing. We're I mean two hours a day Monday through Thursday, uh, and we we really enjoyed it. So when the radio show went away, uh, because neither of us are professional advertised salesmen, um, we wanted a, an outlet for the talk, the you know banter back and forth that we kind of had developed, and so we had we had said you know what. If you're if you're driving to the Blues game or if you're driving home to watch the Blues game on a game day, especially a home game, there isn't a lot of Blues talk on the radio at that time of day. Five Nine of the Fan kind of do does some stuff, but you know now they have Frank Opinion on uh, until six o'clock, so that kind of rules it out. The Camwex pregame show it doesn't start till six thirty, and most people are at the car getting down there when the pregame starts. One one's probably talking about the Cardinals or or the NFL. So there really wasn't anything radio wise. So we, we tried to record it in the morning about 10 o'clock between 10 and noon. So people could download it to their phones or devices. And uh, then, you know, a lot of people can use Bluetooth and, and listen in their car or, you know, just put headphones in. And uh, you know, if you're driving home to watch it at home, or if you're driving down to the game, we usually try to do about 30, 35, 40 minutes of previewing the game, what blues fans are talking about, Maybe a random conversation, who knows, because it's, you know, 41 home games. So, uh, And then we did a couple where uh, we actually recorded live. Uh, there was one game where Hitch's hat, or I'm sorry, Mr. Blue's hat now on Twitter, he had won a, uh, a suite at, the, at a Blues game, the last Friday night game against Vancouver. And so we recorded uh, pregame and then during every intermission and then postgame. And then we did it like we did it Hot Shots when you were there for the last game where we were recording during intermissions and stuff. And, uh, you know, it was kind of a, a stream of consciousness as the game was going on, kind of our instant reaction. It was a lot of fun. And it's, uh, you know, 40, I think we ended up doing 45, 44, 45 episodes during the season. And uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, I, I listen, you guys are great. and You guys obviously have a good rapport together. And it's because you've worked together, I think, on, on game time for a while. And as I said, you know, you've got the, the Beyond Checker Dome podcast with – Tim and Tyler, uh, cross check rays and King Donut. I'm sorry, Donut King on yeah, Twitter. His, his Twitter name is King Donut I, but then he goes by Donut King. So yeah, it's, it, it can get confusing. What a confusing man! 
<laughs> in so many ways, I mean that. Yeah. Uh, but but obviously you've uh, so you've been with with Game Time for a long time, and and now you're kind of the, I guess you could say the head honcho. Um, but and and you've gone through a lot in your time. You've seen the the bad lean years with the Blues, and and then the the playoff success since then. Um, as as a writer, because uh, obviously you grew up as a fan, so you went from fan to writer to podcaster to radio host <laughs> to everything in between. Um, yeah, how are you able to express your opinion and be able to do all this on so many mediums and then still be able to be a fan of this team? That's interesting. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. So let, let's, let's get one thing out of the way. So I, I was a professional journalist for eight years. I was a newspaper reporter over on the other side of state in Sedalia, Missouri. I was over in Illinois in Decatur, uh, spent some time at the suburban journals for a little while and then moved over to corporate communications. So it, 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 it's kind of in my blood to be a journalist slash reporter, but I, I only did news. And I think that's because I was afraid that if you go to a small town paper, you get stuck covering high school sports. And I know a lot of guys who, who stayed in, in sports departments in smaller newspapers and all they ever covered was high school sports. And that, you know, it could be fun, but man, it gets, it gets kind of old. So when I got out of the business and jumped over the fence to do communication stuff, I still had an itch for creative stuff, stuff I wanted to write about being kind of a quasi journalist, I, I, we don't make any, any bones about it. You know, we're fans who have access to professional printing equipment and we put out 24 pages of a fan run publication for every home game. And so everything we do is twinged with that. Okay. We're blues fans, but you know, you're not going to find any of the people who, who help write things for the paper, go on a Facebook forum, like the blues lounge or any of the other blues Facebook, Facebook groups and say, you know, a real fan isn't critical of the organization. And because uh, we are and and they deserve it on a somewhat regular basis for more than 51 years now. So it's it's kind of a it's a thing. So, you know, the, the fan run paper has been around since January of 1995 when when the Enterprise Center opened. Uh, ah, the Enterprise Center. Right. That's the first time I've said that out loud, actually. Um <laughs> it doesn't exactly roll off the tongue yet. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. I there's people are saying we should make a lot of star Trek references. I, I have not seen that many star. I, I guess I've seen like the new generation, but yeah. Anyway. So Jeff, Yeo, a guy from uh, South city ran the paper for 10 years and his unofficial motto of the game time paper was uh, un, not afraid to call a piece of shit, a piece of shit. And, <laughs> and, and it's, we, we've always kind of had that uh, attitude that when we see something that stinks, we hold our nose and say, hey, this stinks. Uh, but, you know, like the beginning of this season where they went on that incredible run and they were challenging Tampa Bay, who's down one nothing here in this playoff game I have on mute in the background. Uh, you know, we were as enthusiastic as anybody at the time, but we said, you know what? There's some things that are kind of not sustainable with this start. And when they didn't sustain – we kind of saw maybe the true colors of this roster that was put together, especially after the Schwartz injury. And, uh, you know, it, it, it was painful in that we want the blues to make the playoffs. We want to make a playoff run. Uh, you know, the, the, 
when when you're talking about <clears throat> the fan run paper that we sell outside of the Blues games on the corner, uh, sales are so um, out of my control. The day of the week, the weather, the opponent, how the Blues played in their last couple of games. Is it a long home stand? Are there more games to be played at home in the next couple of days? All those factor into how popular the paper is that night. But without a doubt, when the team is winning, it's more fun to do the paper and, you know, more people read it. So, uh, you know, we're all, always going to root for the Blues to, to do well, but um, we're not afraid to uh, call them out when they don't. So obviously because of that and, and uh, you know, people who follow game time know that uh, you're not technically associated with the Blues. You don't have a reporter up in the press box. No. But what is what is your relationship like with the St. Louis Blues? Interesting question. Um, <laughs> I'm so full they, of those. They, uh, we drop off uh, issues in the office downstairs in the basement before every game. And there are folks in the organization who read every issue. And I don't think I'm talking out of school when I mention that a couple of our issues end up in the owner's box every game. And it's smart for them because while we don't represent every customer, we probably have the voice of the hardcore customer, um, the, the season ticket holders that have been around 10, 15, 20 years, people who've been going to games since the, the arena days. And it's smart for them to keep the pulse of folks like us who write in the paper, who've been following the team for a long time, the hardcore fans, granted they have to appeal to everybody and they have to appeal to people who go to more Cardinal games and people who only go to a couple blues games a year, hoping to maybe turn them into a 12 game pack owner at some point, or, you know, buy playoff games when playoff games happen. But, you know, it's, it's a way for them to do their own free market research. Really. Uh, Chris Kerber in the radio booth reads every issue. Uh, one thing I'm proud of, Bob Plager reads every issue. Uh, so we've we've had uh, Chris Zimmerman and Tom Stim- Tom Still- Stillman uh, on the old radio show. We had uh, Chris Zimmerman on a, a broadcast of the podcast that we recorded live on Facebook, actually, at Gaslight, a studio uh, on the hill uh, around the corner from Ragazzi's. Uh, that was a lot of fun. We actually had an audience in the bar, and uh, it, that, was a, that was an awesome setup. Uh, so, yeah, we do have a relationship, uh, especially with the front office and higher up. We have not gotten a ton of access through media relations uh, because we run a website that is a blog and because we call ourselves a fan run paper. They treat us like a blog and they are not in the business of giving credentials to blogs very often. What's funny, though, is that because we are an affiliate of SB Nation with our website, Whenever there is an NHL-sanctioned event, we can get press passes for them. So the Winter Classic, we had two media credentials at Bush Stadium for the alumni game and the Winter Classic game. And if the Blues ever make the final round of the playoffs, <laughs> we're, we're guaranteed a spot in the press box. So, you know, an all-star game comes here, we'll be in the press box. Uh, the draft will have credentials. Um, so it's, it's, it's a weird relationship in that I'm on a first name basis with the owner and the team president on the business side. And, uh, we have, you know, the, the media relations guys pays it to pay attention to us and we've had some conversations, but we've never really gotten access. Uh, but then when access can be granted through the NHL, we've gotten it. So it's a little bit of a weird 
uh, situation in that uh, I kind of feel like if the, the, the Blues really need to look at the changing landscape of media. And, you know, since the Post-Dispatch through STL Today has put a lot of their stuff through the paywall, unless you subscribe, a lot of stuff pops up that you can't read it after a while. I think they really need to take a closer look at who are they giving credentials to and who they should be giving credentials to. Do you uh, worry at all that let's just say, you know, tomorrow you get a call from Dan O'Neill or somebody within the organization that says, hey, we want to grant you press credentials. Do you worry that the way that you cover the team and, and your writers cover the team would change? Uh, that, yeah, well, okay, so the guy who ran game time before me, Gallagher, uh, he people would ask him if he wanted credentials, and he said no, because A, he didn't want to be a journalist. Uh, he sells carpet. Uh, <laughs> he didn't want to be a journalist. He didn't do this to be a journalist. Uh, and And his fear was, uh, so at the time, we were pretty critical of how Eric Brewer handled himself as captain of the St. Louis Blues. And and Gallagher told me straight out, he said, you know what, if I go down there and I interview uh, Eric Brewer or talk to him or hang out with him a little bit in the dressing room and I get to know him and I realize, hey, he's a real person and not just an animatronic robot who's the captain of the Blues, I might feel sorry for him and not make jokes and pull punches. Hmm. Uh, so I, personally, I think I could still do it. A, a good example is Angela Sharp, the in-game hostess of the Blues. Uh, sometimes she's, she's got other people that do the job now, too. So she's not always the one doing the commercial breaks and uh, intermission stuff. But we've we've been friendly and friends with her since like 2009, 2010. And st- we still give her the business and she wouldn't have it any other way because she she thinks it's funny. And, you know, as long as we. As long as we don't cross the line too far, we've we've said a few things that she didn't like, but as long as we don't go too far, Jeff, she she's cool with it. And I, I think we could do that. But I mean, part of it is the time commitment for, you know, getting down there in the press box and, you know, staying afterwards. And what are you going to write? And where are you going to post it? Is it stuff for the papers? Is it stuff for the website? Is it stuff that we run on the podcast like the next day? And that is a huge, huge commitment. Um, and we, I mean, we really have to sit down and think about, okay, so what do we expect to get out of it? And ha- what would we do with it to make it worthwhile? I Trust me, I, uh, you're preaching to the choir right now. I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, so something that, that so we, you mentioned uh, Jeff Yeo, you mentioned Sean Gallagher. Um, both these guys have uh, ran the paper Jeffy O'Moore ran the game night review, which was changed to St. Louis game time by Sean Gallagher when he took over in uh, the 05-06 season. Um, But, and I guess Gallagher could probably speak to this too, but I know you could as well. The landscape of how sports are covered and how people discuss things because of the internet, because of social media, because of podcasting that's gotten big. um, You really had to take on a new a whole other light than Jeff Yeo did when he was running game night review. Um, have you had to study that because you were in journalism? Did you already know it? And, and what steps have you had to take to make sure you're ahead of the curve? <laughs> uh, wow. Okay. Well, let, let, let's just show you how uh, primitive the game time operation was. So when, when Gallagher took over, uh, you know, he decided that, you know, it'd be awesome to start the conversation. This was his idea. 
start the conversation in the paper. So a writer writes a column and, you know, kind of stirs the pot a little bit and starts the conversation. Wouldn't it be awesome to have a website where readers then could continue the conversation and then weigh in and, and make it much more of a two-way, whereas, you know, you're reading a printed publication is just a one-way conversation. So we started a website and it was a WordPress. Uh, and <laughs> we actually, for a while, uh, you had to apply to be a commenter like Deadspin. And, and we actually told people, be funny. And if you just say something stupid, we may not let you become a commenter. I don't think there was anyone who ended up commenting that we didn't eventually, after like one or two tries, approve. But we still wanted people to try hard to comment to get approved. And uh, I started doing a thing on the old Game Time website on WordPress that um, we called it the live blog. And so I would write, I would add to the blog post and update it as the game was going on and basically do a running commentary. And then people would have to refresh the, the website, which gave us a ton of hits, but we never turned that into anything. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, we end up being invited to SB Nation through James Myrtle, who was running the hockey websites at the time, who now runs The Athletic, by the way, which mm-hmm. I'm kind of, my feelings are hurt. He hasn't asked me to join The Athletic because he's asked <laughs> like every other writer in the world to join The Athletic, but that's, that's neither here nor there. I'm waiting uh, for my invite too. Yeah. So, so what, what made us really popular, and then we did it at the, at the uh, we tried to do it a little bit when we went over to the SB, SB Nation platform, but very quickly, they did the live updating of comments so that you know, you'd have it open and you write a comment. And if someone replied, it pops up live. You didn't have to refresh it or anything. So doing the live blog did not uh, work very well because people were just looking at the comments. They weren't looking at the blog post. So we would jump in and, and I would comment. We, we would get uh, game threads that would have 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 comments for one game. And that was awesome. And we really built up the, the community at the website then. Uh, but then in 2009, tw- Twitter came along and it was like, man, I could just publish this out and a lot more people see it. They don't have to be logged into the website. And they don't have to have a commenting account. They just have to have a Twitter account. And, and like you can interact with writers and, and other people. And, and really it kind of transformed from there. So yeah, at some point, you know, then we started doing, you know, the, the Beyond Checker Dome podcast came up with uh with the guys affiliated with the website and then we tried to do something different with the game time drive time podcast and who knows i mean i don't think we have an instagram account yet but uh maybe maybe at some point i don't know what's the if if, as soon as we figure out what the next social media it thing is going to be i guess we could move over there but gosh twitter it'll be 10 years next year that we've had a Twitter account. And I think we're over 9,500 followers on the game time account. And uh, when we make a joke, people see it and it's, it's awesome. Uh, You know, it's, it really, I think we changed it last year when we got the radio show, I changed the official name of the Twitter account to game time media because we had the website, we had the paper, we had the radio show, we had the podcast. I mean, about the only thing we don't have is like a TV game show or something. So maybe that's, (laughs) maybe that's the next horizon is uh, like, Let's make a deal game time themed or something. I don't know. I'm in. I'm in. I'll be your first contestant. Awesome. Perfect. Yeah, there we go. Um, so let's uh, – something I want to ask you about. Again, we, we kind of touched on Jeff Yeo's ring and then and then uh, Sean Gallagher taking over. Um, every lockout 
has <laughs> impacted St. Louis game time game night review. So Jeff Yo started his in January of 95, which was when the, the lockout of 95 uh, shortened season. And then Gallagher took over in 0506 when Jeff Yo decided, I don't want to do it anymore. Then when Gallagher left in 1213, that was when you took over. Um, January 19th, 2013 was your first game, the uh, uh, Vladimir Tarasenko rookie game, if people remember, against the Detroit Red Wings. Um, there's probably going to be another work stoppage coming up here soon. What can we expect <sighs> from you when that happens? Is that 2020, I think? I believe 2020, um, 2021, but I could be incorrect on that. Uh, man. Don't they need a different commissioner that doesn't enjoy lockouts? <laughs> I, I, here's the here's the weird part, um, and I, I've kind of thought about this a little bit, but haven't really wrought, written or talked about it. You know, when the when the salary cap first came about, coming out of that season long lockout in 2005, the salary cap was 39 million, 38 million, something like that. It was so. below it was below 40 million dollars a year. And now we're talking about 80 for the coming season. And the whole thing is built on league revenue. And now granted, teams like Toronto, Montreal, the New York Rangers, those you know really big market teams, Boston, Chicago, New York, uh, generate a lot more money. But it, it evens the playing field. I, I guess maybe the worry is that Florida and Calgary are, you know, Edmonton, I don't know, some of the smaller market teams, but not in Canada, I guess. Phoenix, uh, maybe they can't keep up to the salary floor, which seems like an issue. But if they've got so much money coming in that the formula has pushed the salary cap to $80 million, can't we figure out how to not miss any games? I mean, and, and you know, my argument's going to go back to, you know, think about the Minnesota Wild. They signed Suter and Parise to those huge contracts, lockout hits, and the owner of the wild pleads poor. Yet these guys are signed for like the rest of their natural lives <laughs> for millions and millions of dollars. I mean, the owners don't have to sign the contracts. They don't have to make, they don't have to give John Tavares $10 million this summer. They, no one's putting a gun to their head and saying they have to do that. It, it just doesn't make any sense, but okay. So will game time. Okay. Here's here's what okay, since I took over the first I, I basically okay. When I took over, Gallagher had a copier in his basement. He had signed a five year lease on a copier, and he was paying hundreds of dollars a month to have this office industrial copier sit in his basement to print the paper. And I said, Look, I love the paper. I have gotten used to carrying a copy of game time in or game night review into every game that I go to. It's part of my experience. And I, I kind of liken it to if John Bon Jovi thinks that Bon Jovi songs or Bon Jovi music is the best music in the world, and he loves to hear Bon Jovi music live. And so for that to happen, he has to play the Bon Jovi music. So if I love game time and I love having it, and I know that I'm kind of the only one in position to, to print it, and I'm going to go ahead and print it because I would really miss uh, really miss not having it. So my the first goal I had was to to write out the the last three years of the lease, so that you know he had he had picked up the torch from Jeff Yo and he had kept the tradition going, and I didn't want to see him have to literally pay for it. Then the copier ended, 
And I was like, man, that pressure's off. Maybe I don't want to do it anymore. And we looked at buying a copier and, you know, I live out in St. Charles County and it was going to be a lot harder to get the paper. We looked at putting it in a guy's basement in the central West end. And it, it was copier salesmen apparently are like used car salesmen where it was like, Oh, this copier right now is used. It was actually used at a church only on Sundays, So it's in great condition and it's going to go on sale tomorrow. Mm. And it was, it almost felt like a bait and switch. So we ended up emailing a bunch of different printing companies around St. Louis and a company called copy tech, uh, off of, uh, dealman industrial drive. Uh, the, the vice president of sales for the company emailed back and said, I know you jerks, we can work with you. And they gave us a hell of a deal and kept us going. So, um, then we hit 20 years since, uh, in, in 2015, we hit 20 years since the first fan or paper, and, uh, you know, around 2020, I guess we're going to hit uh, 25 years, hopefully. And, you know, I don't I don't think I could give it up before we hit 25 years because that would be a really cool marker to hit for something that is unique. There is uh, for a while there was a paper in Chicago called The Committed Indian. And, and before that, there was the Blue Line Report, which was actually Jeff's uh, inspiration when he started the uh, Game Night Review in 95. They stopped printing when, when the Blues knocked them out in Game 7 a couple years ago in 2016. Um, that was their last issue. So there is nothing else like us in the entire NHL. And that is cool and a point of pride for me. And, um, you know, I Je- Gallagher kind of joked and I've kind of joked that I don't want to be the guy. He didn't want to be the guy to turn the lights off on the tradition. And I know, you know, when we talked a couple years ago, when you wrote for the hockey writers and wrote about game time and the history, you know, you grew up going to games and at some point your dad let you buy the paper and let you read the paper. And I I was going to games and I, I read game night review and I would take it home and read, read it from front to back to get all the inside jokes that he had in the paper. And, uh, I remember I had butterflies in my stomach the first time I met Jeff Yeo. Uh, and I'd, I'd written for most of the season, that first season and I met him at a barbecue at Gallagher's house. And I was like, that's Jeff, you, uh, can, can you introduce him to me? He's like, dude, just go up and say, hi, he knows who you are. I'm like, he knows who I am. He's like, yeah, he reads the paper. I'm like, Jeff, you reads my stuff. And it was like my world's colliding. My mind, like, like it broke a circuit breaker. And, and, uh, and you know, now I run the damn thing and, it's uh, it's a much different world now than it was then. But, I mean, God, I hope there's not another lockout. But, you know, the thing with both of them was they realized that they liked their free time when they didn't have to do the paper. So, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I want to keep it going. I want to hit 25 years. I've already promised that we're back next year. Uh, I've already – we already have some sus- subscribers that have re-upped for next year. So, but you know what? things change and you know at some point it may not be feasible to do a printed paper may we may just go to electronic uh one of my writers is pushing me to do uh the patreon where you have to do the you you, you basically subscribe and you get stuff behind a paywall and pay a monthly fee just like the athletic i i don't know if that's where journalism is going but you know maybe someday that's where journalism is going so who knows? I man, there better not be a lockout. 
<laughs> I think we can all agree with you on that. Let's hope not. Um, so let's kind of get in. Well, actually, you know, let me ask you one more personal question about sure. you, uh, the not just the journalist, but the publisher and the man behind the St. Louis Game Time. Who's been your greatest influence? Wow, my greatest influence. Um, I'd say I've got a couple. One, uh, one honestly is Will Leach, the guy who started Deadspin. Uh, and he gets the paper, and actually he sent me an email. Uh, one of the best compliments I got all this season was, I don't know, sometime in December, uh, I, sent him the, I sent the paper out via email to subscribers and to some people I have on my distribution list. And, you know, he lives in Georgia. He spent some time in St. Louis. He, he's from Effingham, Illinois. Uh, he emailed and said, by the way, I want you to know I read every word of the paper, every issue. Wow. And, and that floored me because the way he wrote for Deadspin, you know, he used the royal we. And he, he had kind of a he, – he wanted to make sure when he was writing for a sports website that he wanted to make sure that it wasn't life or death. You know, sometimes there were life and death topics, but – he, you know, sports are supposed to be fun. It's an escape. And if you can't talk about sports that way, then, you know, you're taking it too seriously. You're missing the point. And, yeah, we get kind of serious in the paper. But I think our best stories and our best issues are the ones where we don't take it quite as seriously. We try to poke the bear and have fun with it. And, and you know, uh, Greg Wyshynski, who was Puck Daddy and who is now with ESPN, and he does a couple different podcasts. I mean, him and Dave Lozo and Puck Soup, if, if – if Jeff and I could develop the interaction that they have and the looseness and e- just the easy flowing conversation they have, uh, I, I would, I would uh, success them because they are, I mean, I think they're the gold standard, especially in hockey circles, but I mean, even with uh, other sports type stuff, I mean, what they're doing with puck, puck soup is amazing. And the fact that ESPN is still letting him do it and <clears throat> they use the F word and, they talk about some unsavory topics sometimes. I mean, they're, they're he, they push the envelope, and it's uh, it's inspiring. I, I mean, granted, those aren't guys that I kind of grew up with. They're kind of contemporaries, I guess you'd say, if I'm kind of pumping my own tires. But um, they're definitely guys who I've paid attention to and watched for a long time. And um, really, you know, I don't know if I try to emulate myself, but if, uh, you know, I, I've tried to learn from from watching them for sure. So let's get into a little blues talk here to uh, before we wrap anything up. So free agency is coming up. Obviously, we're recording this on May. Or I'm sorry, May twenty first. Um, Kyle Brodziak, Scotty Upshaw are your unrestricted free agents. We'll get into goaltending in a bit, so no <laughs> no need to discuss Carter Hudden. Uh, but your restricted free agents: Dmitry Askin, Oscar Sundquist, Nikita Soshkinov, uh, Nick Schmaltz. Uh, Jordan Schmaltz, oops, wrong Schmaltz, and Joel Edmondson. Yeah, Joel Edmondson. Those are the big ones, really, um, to look at. Are all those guys coming back? Do you see anybody getting moved? Um, And do you see any of the restricted free agents uh, not getting qualifying offers? Uh, Yeah, I I mean, it's uh, it's a little bit, I don't know, frustrating is probably the right word because i mean some of these guys i mean oscar sunkvist i i don't think he proved that he needs to be in the nhl right now 
so I, you know, if they, if they decide to cut bait with him and let him walk, I wouldn't mind, you know, he spent so many games in the press box watching and it never, it never helped. I, I don't know if he just has the enough hockey sense. He's got some physical skills. And when, when he kind of, when the light bulb comes on, you can like actually like his body language changes and he, he makes a play and it's like, Oh wait, I figured it out. And then he'll go like three games without having a similar incident. Uh, I think it's interesting that the, the fourth liners you mentioned, Brodziak and Upshaw, I don't think there's any way Upshaw comes back. He was the only reason he came back uh, this past season was because of injuries. He, he was on a professional tryout with Vancouver during training camp and they decided to sign him at the last second. So I would, I would seriously doubt he comes back. Brodziak was really a Swiss army knife and he is super cheap. I think he made nine fifty this past year, mm-hmm. 150,000. Uh, give that guy a hundred and, uh, you know, give him a million and 200,000, 1.2, give him 1.3, something like that. Give him a couple hundred thousand dollar raise and, and plug him back in. The interesting part though, is he's a St. Louis blue because he signed as a free agent here and left a Mike Yo coach team in Minnesota. I don't know if there's any issues. I'm not saying I've heard anything, but it's interesting that he has not re-signed, that he might test free agency here in a month, a uh, month and a couple and a week. But uh, does he want to play for Mike Yo, uh, or does he want to leave a Mike Yo coach team for the second time in his career? I, I would imagine they're going to try to re-sign him because he was so useful in so many roles for the Blues this season. As far as the other you know, restricted guys, I mean – yeah, Dimitri Askin showed some flashes, and he really tried to contribute playing a physical kind of game because playing with the puck was obviously not his forte. Uh, but, man, I don't you wish that you could find somebody who maybe had a little more skill with the puck and shooting the puck and passing the puck who could play a little physical? Uh, rumor has it that Soshnikov is threatening to go to the KHL. Uh, yeah, okay, whatever. I mean – a fourth line guy with with concussion problems and injury history wants to go to the, to Russia to play and is threatening to go there unless they guarantee him more playing time. Uh, I guess that's Vladimir Saboka light. Maybe I don't know. I, it, it, Joel Edmondson really is the only guy that's going to get a, much of a raise. I think. I, I think bring back Smoltz for sure. He he showed some flashes when he got a tryout because of injuries. Uh, but you know some of the other guys. They're just guys. They're literally just guys. And there's really nothing that sets a lot of them apart from any other replacement guy that you would find on the waiver wire or sign as a street free agent to a two-way contract this summer. So uh, we had Andy Strickland on the show, and he said that there is uh, more of a possibility that people think of John Tavares coming here. Uh, Obviously, you don't have the insight maybe that Andy does uh, because of the people he knows, but – just if, if I were to give it a uh, if you were to give it a rating right now, likelihood of of John Tavares coming here, what would you say it is? Well, it's interesting that Lou Lamorello is now going to be running the Islanders because that guy works black magic, as we know in St. Louis <laughs> mm-hmm. from his days with the Devils. So I had the door closed on him going back to the Islanders. Lou Lamorello may be able to slip something in his coffee and he decides to go back. If he does leave, uh, the, the short list has to be St. Louis, San Jose, 
Vegas Golden Knights. I think they've got like $23 million in cap space. Uh, they turned out to be a pretty decent team. And yeah. uh, living in Las Vegas could be kind of fun. So, uh, you know, you look at teams that could contend very quickly, line mates that you could put with them very quickly, teams that could have some cap- salary cap space that could get better very quickly. And if they were able to make some maneuvers with a Jay Bomeister going on long-term IR for the whole season, maybe. Uh, maybe he develops a uh, an allergic condition to his equipment like Marion Hosa in Chicago. Um, you know, who knows? Maybe he falls down a flight of stairs and re-injures his hip. I don't know. There could be some shenanigans where they could really free up some cap space and make a couple moves. And then you got the young guys who hopefully are going to get a chance to play in Cairo and Thompson and who knows who else, uh, Thomas. But it's, um, you know, I, I think there's maybe like a – I, I think there's three teams, and I think everybody's kind of equal. So maybe it's a 33% chance, but he also has a 33% chance to go to San Jose and a 33, 33% chance to go to Vegas if Lou Lamorella doesn't drug him into signing a contract before the end of the season. <laughs> what are your thoughts? In case they don't get him, the other two big free agent centers are going to be Joe Thornton and Paul Stastny, two guys Blues fans are very familiar with. Uh, if they don't get Tavares, do you see them bring either of those two in? Joe Thornton, uh, no way. Uh, Stasny, it all depends on the money. You know, he was making $7 million a year. Before he lit the playoffs on fire in Winnipeg, I said, you know what? He, he could come back for $3 million a year. Today, he might laugh at $3 million a year for a couple years. Uh, I think he played himself into a pretty decent contract. Uh, but you know what? If I'm a GM in the NHL, I got to say, look, he was feeding Patrick Laine the puck. And and Patrick Laine was getting all of the defensive responsibility on that line. Um, his performance was definitely aided by who he was playing with. And, and, you know, being on that power play unit was definitely a big boost to what he could do. You know, when he's in St. Louis... He very, very rarely played with Tarasenko. He very rarely played on the top line. Very rarely centered the top power play unit. You know, at at one point, I think he was probably one of the highest paid third line centers in the entire NHL. Uh, I I think he'll probably, I I don't know. I would not want the Blues to sign him for four and a half or five or whatever million dollars that he could command on the open market. Is the short answer to that long question. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so goaltending, which I, I mentioned earlier, kind yeah. of an issue uh, with the team <laughs> last year, if, if you want to put it lightly. Um, Carter Hutton's a free agent. Uh, Jake Allen's locked up for a couple more years. And obviously, Billy Husso is uh, breathing down Allen's neck, um, depending on who you talk to. What do you see shaking out this summer? How is this, uh, how's this goaltending tandem going to look uh, going into 18 19? Well, Bob Plager always says your first goalie, your best goalie in the organization is your starter. And your second best goalie in the organization is your starter in the, in the AHL getting starter minutes in the minor leagues. And then your third best is your backup. I don't think you can put Jake Allen in the uh, minor league. Oh, wait, was that what I was saying? That he was the third best? Uh, I, I don't know. It's uh, Carter Hutton, I, I think the best comparable, and maybe it's just because I'm a Blues fan, but I would see him signing something like a Brian Elliott 
two or three year deal, three and a half million per as a bridge for a team that has a young goaltender, kind of like Vili Husso, who, who might be a teenager or 20 or 21 year old. That is a bridge from now until that guy is ready to take over. Kind of like what happened in Philadelphia. You know, they had the guy in the AHL and he's, he may, he may be ready next year. He may not be, but you know, they signed Elliot, I think for two years and it was right at like three and a half million. I don't know if the blues want to spend three and a half million when Jake Allen's making what? 4.3, 4.5, something like that for three more 4. seasons. 5. Yeah. For, for three more seasons. I I understand the Jake Allen defenders in Blues fans. And it's funny, you make one comment about one soft goal and the defenders come out, oh, well, you screen on the shot. It deflected off the defenseman. Well, I don't think any, any goalie could have stopped that. I don't think Carter Hutton would have stopped that. I'm like, hey, I was just saying it was a soft goal. I wasn't, I wasn't calling Jake Allen's mom fat or anything. You don't have to defend <laughs> the guy. So, it, I mean, it, it's, it's, it, it has become such a, t- a hot-button issue with Blues fans that are Jake Allen fans, that any comment that isn't positive is taken as a personal attack, and they have to defend him because they're his best bud on Twitter. And I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. We should, as Blues fans, entering year fifty, whatever, fifty-two, we should expect them to be closer to a Stanley Cup than the Las Vegas Golden Knights. And the goaltending is an issue you for that to happen and when you have a guy who has all world skill who has been an all-star and a standout at every level of his development you know he he played for canada and world juniors he was an all-star at the ahl he's shown flashes last season when the blues went to the playoffs and won the first round against a better minnesota wild team he's shown those flashes he is not a consistent goaltender he is not a fundamentally sound goaltender and at this point in his career, when he's, what, 27 years old, I don't think guys suddenly become consistent. I don't think guys suddenly become foundationally sound. I don't think guys suddenly become square to the puck and prepared. You know, when it, when it was Allen and Elliott, it was really an interesting uh, comparison in their styles where Elliott does not make the flashy save that often. But he's always prepared. He's square to the puck. He's square to the shooter. He is positionally sound. He knows where he is in the crease all the time. He covers the post. He does all the little things right to be prepared for the shot and make the save and not have to bail himself out. And Jake Allen is doing somersaults and cartwheels and backflips and looking like Dominic Hasek on some plays because he didn't get in a position, because he didn't cover the post, because he's not square to the shooter, because he's not prepared. And you know, every time there's a goal scored straight off a face-off in the blue zone, it illustrates how ill-prepared he is on a set play like that where a goalie should know where he is on the face-off and should be ready for that quick shot and should make that save 99 times out of 100, 95 times out of 100, I don't know, a vast majority of the time. And, and that's, I mean... Yeah, they say goalies can mature later in their careers, and that maybe a goalie's best season, you know, a skater's best season is maybe ages 25 to 27, somewhere through there. And a goalie's maybe is like age 29 or 30. Yeah, he hasn't hit that age span, but he also hasn't shown anything that he's going to be prepared. And the final thing, when he lets in a soft goal, when he lets in a an important goal, a 
tying goal or a, a goal that gives the lead to the other team, his body language shows that he is disappointed. His shoulders slump. And the guys on the ice feed off that a little bit. They see him slump down. They see him melt a little bit when when that happens. They see the crack. And, uh, I mean, I'm not a huge believer in the idea that the Blues played differently. The Blues players played differently in front of Hutton versus Allen. But that has to affect them when they, they see that he can get rattled. And you know what? When the Blues fans were giving the Bronx cheer to, to Allen that one game and they were being sarcastic to him and Tarasenko and Petrangelo were kind of defensive about it in the locker room afterwards. I think that just, I think that gave away that they realize that when you're hard on him and when that he's mentally fragile and fans can't be doing that to him. And they spoke up about it. I, I think that validated that they feel they may not feel it as strongly as some fans, but I think there might be a sentiment that he's just a little bit emotionally fragile. Is he going to be a St. Louis Blue next season? <laughs> I, I don't Hot know. Take gonna, time. I don't. I don't know who's going to take his contract. Uh, you know, unless you unless you want to unless you do something with like, I mean, if Washington had lost in the first round or had lost to Pittsburgh, and they wanted to shake it up and trade Holtby for Allen and get Holtby's contract off the books and go with a shorter a smaller contract than Allen. And a change of a change of scenery, and then Grubauer could maybe be the starter anyway. That was kind of a pipe dream some Blues fans talked about. Well, now hope he's taking him to Game Seven of the Conference Final. There's no way that's going to happen. If you look around the league, I don't see a lot of teams that are going to make a gamble of four point five million dollars on a change of scenery candidate. Just because I know there's probably people screaming at their phones right now, if that's what they're listening to, he uh, he is making four point three five. At least that's, that's the cap hit every year until uh, the end of the 2020-2021 season. So yeah, I I agree with you. It'll be tough to take that off the books, but you know you got to hope that if Yori Laterra can be traded, Jake Allen can be traded. It's just the cost of two first round draft picks. That's right. The Blues just with all these contracts they're gonna to try to get rid of, they're just not gonna have a draft pick or a first round pick for the next twenty, twenty five years. Well, they got the one for Stasny, but yeah, it's like that's like the, the, the St. Louis Blues currency is oh, how about a first round draft pick? <laughs> well, Brad, it's always fun talking with you. I appreciate you coming on. Um I'm gonna ask you the toughest question you're probably gonna face all night. Because there's so many answers you're going to have to give. How can fans interact with you and find you on social media? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's simple. Uh, find us the Game Time Twitter account. Uh, dare I say the the biggest, the most influential Blues fan Twitter account out there? Eat, eat your shorts, uh, Mr. Blues Hat. Uh, we've got more <laughs> followers, so it, it, I lo- he does not like me mentioning that. So. <laughs> If he happens to listen to this, uh, sorry, man, but we got more followers. What can I tell you? Uh, but at, at ST Lewis Game Time, you can find us online at stlewisgametime.com. You can find the paper. Uh, when uh, when we're when there are Blues games uh, in October, which is just right around the corner, um, you can find us outside the garage driveway, the 14th Street doors, the northeast corner of 14th and Clark. Or, or if you like getting the paper electronically, uh, like, like Jeff here does i believe uh yes. you can email me at gt gt bradley at gmail gt b-r-a-d-l-e-e at gmail.com 
Awesome. Yeah. Thank you uh, very much for coming on. And as I said, I, I've, I've been uh, a fan of game time as, since it was game night review. Um, I, I get them electronically now just cause I don't make it down there as much as I used to, but uh, yeah, for those that uh, have never picked one up or are interested in it, definitely uh, at least check it out at your next game, next home game you make it to. But uh, if you're interested in the full season, I definitely recommend the electronic ones. It's nice. Uh, Reading them, at, not that I do this, but it's nice reading them at work before the game. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> um, you know, we are a niche publication, and there are a lot of people who have never picked up a copy for whatever reason. If you know, and you know, I get it. There are people who are asking for change on the sidewalk, and a lot of people's strategy is just kind of stare straight ahead and keep walking, focusing on getting in the doors. And sometimes there's guys out there with a a bullhorn telling people they're going to hell because they're sinners. And there's people, there are scalpers saying, Hey, Hey, you need tickets, buddy. You got, you got any extras, buddy. And people just want to get to the game on a cost. And they, they get to one of our vendors selling the paper and they're like, ah, oh, it's just another person on the sidewalk. But you know, there are folks who I see going to games who never give us a look, who don't give us a read. Like my best example is there are guys who have, the Vladimir Tarasenko jerseys from Russia that have the Cyrillic writing on the back and all the advertisements on them. Really cool jerseys. You have to go to a fair amount of trouble, even in today's world with the internet and Amazon and eBay and all that stuff, to get a Russian jersey from a Russian league with Tarasenko's name on it. So you have to be, what I I think is, you have to be a pretty big Blues fan to go to that effort. You wear it with pride. You know, you're a diehard fan, but you don't get, get the paper. If that guy who has that jersey picks it up one time and reads it, they're going to be like that, that guy's going to be like, "Hey, what is this? It's it's written like for me. I I I relate to like all this stuff. Where has this been my whole life?" So it's kind of funny when people people still discover us. Fan, longtime fans still are discovering us. Uh, it's kind of this revelation, like, "Where have you been all my life?" So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but hey thanks for reading it and i'm just like you man i i started reading game night review years and years ago and uh there's there's really nothing like what we do and it's uh it's 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 such a i don't know i'm i'm super proud i i mean i try to deflect everything that you know the people who write in the paper uh i couldn't do it without them because i there's no way i could fill 24 pages of stuff every single game and uh, you know, a lot of the jokes and commentary and stats and different stuff uh, are, are the folks who helped me put it together. So uh, it, it's uh, it's weird. As I tell people, it's the it's the worst hobby ever because like, you know, <clears throat> a cold night in February and it's like 1 a.m. and I'm not done. and I got to go to work the next day. And, you know, it's like the Florida Panthers are in town and it's a boring game and the Blues have lost three in a row. And it's like, dang, why are we doing this? But then, you know, the Hawks come to town or the playoffs roll around or there's a five-game winning streak, knock on wood, hopefully. And then all of a sudden it's like, wow, this thing's easy. Let's do more of these. So, yeah. But, hey, thanks for reading. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it, man. Of course. Thank you for coming on. All right. Thanks, man. I, again, want to thank Brad Lee for coming on the show. Uh, Just a real fun interview. I'm sure you all could tell. You probably heard me chuckle a couple times as we uh, discussed things, but just a, a genuine guy, a, a great hockey mind, and uh, just a, a guy who loves what he does, which, you know, they don't see, they're not making hand over fist doing St. Louis game time, so it really is a passion, and to see him so excited about it, uh, and talking about 
the future of, of where they're going to go. And hopefully there's no labor stoppage again. Uh, just fun to, to hear his take. And again, just a, a wonderful person in terms of uh, hockey coverage. A guy you definitely should follow on Twitter if you're not already. Again, that uh, their website is stlouisgametime.com. They are a member of SB Nation. So if you like SB Nation, uh, you can go to their site and you can find Game Time in there for their St. Louis Blues coverage. I, of course, want to thank Smash and Gene Ackman for uh, the intro and outro song that you hear on this show. That's Let's Go Blues by the Smash Band and Butch Wax. So again, thanks to them. And of course, thank you to the late Johnny Johnson, who uh, has that amazing piano solo in the middle of the song. Of course, you can check us out on Twitter at LGB Radio and your host Twitters, even though they're not here. Kurt Price is at Kurt Price. That's Kurt with a C. Bill Day is at Billy Blue Note, and myself, Jeff Ponder, can be found at jponder94, and uh, we are also on Facebook, uh, the show and the host, if you want to find us on there as well. Next week, I'll be joined by Jim Cromer. You know him as the host of the Blues NHL podcast with Jamie Rivers and Darren Kimball, and if you're a Cardinals or a baseball fan, you may also know him from Two Birds on a Bat, as well as the Youth Baseball Talk podcasts. Um, obviously a big baseball and hockey fan, so it should be fun uh, talking to him about his show, as well as just general blues discussion, and and we may even get into the Cardinals a little bit too. So uh, check that out next week. And again, I want to thank uh, Brad Lee for coming on the show. It was a lot of fun talking to him. I hope you enjoyed it. And I will talk to you next week on the next episode of the Talkin' Blues Summer Interview Series of Let's Go Blues Radio. You got to bleed blue